Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You are listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin with the good news. I can't even imagine how many podcasts we have been doing these, I think, since 2012. So I'm sure there's a healthy supply of podcasts, Dave. Oh, my goodness. There's a lot There's a lot of them there. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Producer Dave is here in the Good News Gals, Jennifer, Cindy, Monique, and Donna. And uh, we've got a couple of good news stories. And we've been talking so much this uh, past week or so. I thought, you know, we'd get to the good news a little sooner because I think this will give us some... Um, something to chat about. And Dave, you explain the story because I think when there is a neighborhood where kids aren't given the same chance as other kids, something about that really breaks my heart when they don't get the same love or opportunities, or maybe they're in foster care or there aren't, uh, maybe there's the money for sports or the availability. I always get bummed out when kids don't have an equal start in life. And um, I was, Monique, you and I have joked around about this before about our kids being like, well, are we rich? And we're like, you're, you're not anything. No. What are we, do we have a lot? You have nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I just told our oldest the other day, I'm like, because she, she has been offered um, basketball scholarships to some very good schools. And it's like, well, and she's like, okay, um, yeah, I'm like, no, you don't have anything but a college fund, sister. And then Andre's in the background saying, and if you get a scholarship, we're taking half of that back. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's like, how you want to have better for your kids, but then it's like, how do you give them? You can't give them, give motivation. That's right. So it's like, how, where are they going to get? So I'm constantly praying like, okay, God, okay, you're going to have to do this because I can't. They're like, my kids are like on the sofa this summer, laying out, looking around. I told my daughter the other day, I'm like, you're laying up here like Michelle Obama. You need to wash your clothes. (laughs) (laughs) You're not Michelle Obama. You're not in the White House. Get it. Cause she's sprawled all out on the couch and her hair is on the pillows. I'm like, get up. What are you going to do today? <laughs> oh, nothing. It's hot. So like, oh so our son, uh, how old is she again? 17. Okay. Yeah. So something, our, our son's 20. He's now Marine Reservist, has worked since he was 15 because we gave, well, he was funny. He goes, well, I want an allowance. And I'm like, Really? You want an allowance? So My do- kids asked for it the other day, too, for yeah. some chores. My husband goes, it pays the rent. That's where your allowance goes. It well, makes house payments. It buys your food. Yes. That's where your allowance goes. Exactly. Anyway, so he wanted an allowance. Yeah. So I said, hmm. So do I get an allowance doing laundry and cleaning and cooking? No, that's just, you, that's part of being part of the Bishop family. Lucky you. And he's like, well, that stinks. <laughs> so I said, you know what? Let's go look at uh, in the internet and see if we you know, if there's some other wise words. And I said, so whatever we look up, are you willing to go with that? And he's like, yeah, sure. So he, and he looks it up. It says, should you give your kid allowance? No. 
<laughs> and he's like, oh, gosh. That's funny. So what we did, though, is if he did extra things besides, like, keep the his room good, clean yeah, or yeah. whatever, then we attached monetary amounts because, you know, I, in my businesses, people are like, well, you know, it's all about money. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. But, you know, money is about as important as oxygen because if you don't have it, you you need it. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, as a Christian, I'm like, I'm able to donate more and give more if I have more. And it just, I think money, you know, people are like, it's the root of all evil. No, the love, love of, of money. money is. And some of the people that do the most incredible things I mean, we wouldn't have churches. We wouldn't. Have, I mean, that's it. All takes that. But so we did not give our son allowance. The only reason that I started mm -hmm. is because, and I started off with gift cards, and it was just when my girls, when it was a birthday or Christmas, instead mm. of buying their stuff, I gave them gift cards or let them. Oh, and let okay. them like go out because my yeah. girls got to the point where it was just like, um, I want those shoes. And then you get those shoes and they wouldn't wear them. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I would tell them, money doesn't grow on trees. And then, of course, they're like, Mama, actually, um, trees, money comes from paper. <laughs> that would have been my son's. Yeah, totally. Hilarious. So I wanted them to know how to deal with money and yes. the value of money. True. So with that being said, when my daughter, I gave her a gift card, she wanted a pair of shoes. And she thought I was going to pay for them. I'm like, no, you're using your gift card. Then she puts the shoes back. Right. Isn't yes. that yes. value of money? Wow. Yeah, same That's thing. That's a good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that, too, because then they understand it's coming from their funds, per se. And in the case of the story that we're going to share with you um, about this little league that was set up, um, and Dave, I'll let you um, set up the story, but just, you know, how do we get our kids to appreciate what they have? And I've said to my son lately, because a lot of girls are paying attention to him. He's kind of cute. Uh, yes, he is. He's darling. He's adorable. <laughs> it's, it's so I say to him, like, you didn't, I'll do, second that. You didn't <laughs> do anything to be attractive. I said that you did nothing. I said, <laughs> and you, your brains, whatever you have that you don't, you know, that you have naturally, you didn't do anything for that. And your athletic ability, yes, you do work out and you take advantage of the blessing you have that your athletic inclined but again that was a gift from God as well so you can never hold it against another kid that they don't their family doesn't have as much money or they aren't as cute as you are or as smart as you are or whatever it is because you really did that's God's blessing to you so you can't hold that over other kids right and then faith and I um, volunteered at the uh, food shelter at our church which we're gonna do as a regular thing and um, I think that was really good for her, for her to see, you know, just we need to make sure that our kids, yes, we want to provide a better life, but they better understand that um, none of these things are um, guaranteed or entitled, that these are just blessings that they have, and they cannot treat others differently if they don't have these things. So Dave, explain what happened in this uh, community. So this community is, the kids aren't asking for allowances, I'll tell you that. <clears throat> But it's uh, Camden, New Jersey, right across from Philadelphia, across the river. And it's um, they took away baseball for 20 years, the community baseball, the Little League. And um, it was basically this guy grew up in that town, and he was uh, a felon. He went to jail for breaking and enter entering, and he turned his whole life around. And he started this he started this little league in Camden, New Jersey. And just wait till you hear the statistic that they're going to tell us about the crime rate before and the crime rate after. Really? 
In the shadow of Philadelphia's gleaming skyscrapers, just across the river in Camden, New Jersey, One, two, three. the opening day of Little League Baseball is nothing short of a major league miracle. In so many communities, no one would bat an eye at this. Kids playing baseball in the summer, it's normal, but it wasn't happening here. For close to two decades, baseball and softball um, had disappeared from the landscape here in the a city of Camden. Brian Morton grew up here amidst the violent crime and did time himself for armed robbery. But he turned his life around, got a master's, and founded a little league to keep kids off the streets and on the fields. We're using baseball to really tackle a number of um, social issues. So public safety, by utilizing our parks, we're displacing um, crime, redeveloping sort of the social fabric that had disappeared. And it's working. Though it can't get all the credit, since Little League started six years ago, crime has dropped 40%. The adults say the good thing about these programs is it keeps kids from getting in trouble. Yeah. Do you believe that? Yeah, I, I actually do believe that, yeah. I've seen less, less and less crimes from youth now that, you know, the baseball team is here. Describe to me a perfect day on the baseball field. I get to play, like hit and catch. What's the message to other communities that have struggled and have notorious pasts? The message is simple. Um, get out there and play. Play is important. Play is crucial. For his hometown, it's a home run. I think that is huge. And if they're busy, they can't get in trouble. If they're around other athletes who are busy, those kids are less likely to get in trouble as well. And then they have mentors, like my kids' um, swim team. Was, uh, they had like 15 junior coaches and then 15 like older coaches that are maybe college age, high school age. And then some of them were 13 and up, you know, the junior ones. And so then you've got little kids who are, my kids are like 9 and 10 and 13. Then they have other role models, other teenagers who have excelled academically and athletically that they can admire and aspire to be like. That's part of what this is too, not just keeping them busy, but providing role models for them. And some of those coaches end up being father figures for kids kids that don't have a father at home. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of effects. Uh, one thing that they said in the vi in the video that I that I never occurred to me is that just people playing in that park would stop crime from happening in that park because the people who were doing the crimes aren't going to go there just huh. because there's people there. Right, playing. And I was like, that's really cool. Like, that just using the park is going to stop crime there. Because mm -hmm. that seems like a place, especially if it's surrounded, where people would do bad things. I uh, was just at an event with my business and the amazing Andy Andrews uh, wrote The Traveler's Gift, if you haven't read it, phenomenal, Seven Principles, great, great, um, Christian writer. And he talks about the butterfly effect and how it was proven that a butterfly across the world just flapping his wings has this reaction over and over. And that, like, th when you said that, I'm like, this is this butterfly effect. They're playing, so therefore, you know, the crime is going to not happen, and maybe that makes them think happier thoughts, and maybe they're not going to commit as many crimes, and, and and you don't know, maybe they're not going to beat their child, and da, 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 and you just never know where it's going to end. Kind of like the Pay It Forward movie, too. I love that one. Mm -hmm. Well, these kids having an identity outside of gang activities yes. and things that they are busy with baseball and friends and mentors and getting a, some, a boost in their self-esteem from playing a sport rather than a boost in their self-esteem from you know doing something illegal to get money to buy a new pair of shoes that makes them look fancier than the other kids or whatever. It just starts a positive um, uh, feeling vibe movement in the community. You know, it's funny is uh, 
you guys totally reminded me of something somebody told me once that you we I I've always been fascinated. Ray Bradbury is the whole butterfly effect thing. You know, if a butterfly flaps its wings in Japan, there's a hurricane on the other side of the earth or whatever. But uh, the whole idea of time travel has always got me. And as somebody told me once, they're like, how come everyone in time travel stories always is very careful when they go back to the past to not drastically change the future, but nobody's doing that in the present. That little something could drastically change how your future goes, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of uh, kind of the thought process that we're going along right now is pay attention to now, and then you can drastically change where you thought mm-hmm. you were going to yes. end up in the first place. That delayed gratification. Jim Stovall, one of my mentors, has written over 40 books. In fact, he just sent me a press release because he's speaking in Washington, D.C., and he went blind as a teenager, and he said so many people aren't willing to experience delayed gratification, and that means going to the gym today for the benefit of feeling better tomorrow, going to school and studying today for the benefit of having good grades uh, tomorrow. And I tell my kids all the time, you know, I grew up in low-income housing. If I hadn't have studied and gotten myself out of that situation and the predicament my family was in, then you wouldn't be enjoying driving around in a Lexus and having, you know, all these sports paid for that, you know, I would, I I didn't get to do any sports because I worked seven days a week when I was a teenager, every weekend and every weeknight. And so I said, what, I hope you're going to do that for your kids. I hope you're going to study hard and provide a nice life for them. And Jim Stovall's article last week was on delayed gratification. And um, so many people, and we talk about millennials a lot, and sorry, Dave, um, and some of them don't want to um, delay their gratification. If they don't like their job, well, they live at home, so whatever, I can quit if I think that you're a mean boss today. Well, there are many times that I had mean bosses, and I wanted to quit, and I didn't, and I'd stay in jobs on average like 11 years throughout my you know, through high school and college, 11 years, and then I did um, 11, at, uh, interestingly enough, at NBC in L.A., and then 11 years at Channel 2 and Fox um, here. Um, so, And now I've been here since 2012 at Crawford. I just have kept a long history of kind of weathering the storms. And um, unfortunately, there are a lot of storms in life and also in, um, in, in work. And you sometimes have to, I don't, I don't know how to put it more gracefully, but you have to suck it up. Yeah, You know, you want to quit? Sorry, just come the next day. Just suck it up. My model used to be when I had a bad boss, work hard, smile. Work hard, <sighs> smile. Mm-hmm. Work hard, smile. Not complain. Work hard, smile. It didn't say be happy with it. Just work hard, smile. <laughs> I love Good, it. Angie. It's I positive. It. it is. <laughs> Taking the high road. Yeah. 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 The, but what's the biggest um, form of, oh, what's that? Flattery? No. Um, revenge is success. Like, mm-hmm. be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, we always tell our kids, like, if someone was harassed, because my son choked on, in a race this summer. I don't know if I told you guys this, but he choked, and then he was nervous about the next one. And a kid on the other team that he used to swim for said, um, don't choke again, Riley. And then one of the other guys said, yeah, you might die. And so he was all <laughs> nervous to do his butterfly. And then he ended up winning and this, that, and the other. And I, so we tell him, save it for the pool, save it for the court, save it for the field. Right, like, yeah. don't don't take your anger and turn it towards don't them. Don't buy into be, that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. just save however, what, let that fuel you to be better at whatever it is. Save it for the classroom, save it for wherever so you can prove yourself in other ways rather than being negative. Don't waste your energy being negative yeah. back to that person. Absolutely. And that's what Andre and I, we were just telling our girls that, that – let people's negativity push you and fuel you and you prove them wrong um i was telling my older daughter like you know all my life i heard that 
you know, I was going to be just like my mom. I wasn't going to be anything. And then when I went back to school to get my master's, um, my dad didn't even want to come to my graduation because he was one of the ones who told me that. Mm-hmm. So tell about them. Yeah, it's and I and I, you know, I, I, my girls are always like, oh, "Mama, you're so nice to him, and he treats you so bad." I'm like, "What is what is what good is it going to do me to be mean to him?" Yeah. All right. Can I read you what Jim Stovall wrote? Yes. So this is uh, this is what I interviewed him about. And again, he wanted to play in the NFL. He was a great athlete. In his high school years, he was told that he was going to go blind at some point in the not so distant future. So then he uh, became an Olympic weightlifter because he thought, well, I don't need to be able to see to lift weights. But he said no one was more depressed than he was in that little back room of his parents' house. And that before he became a multimillionaire and author of over 40 books, and he has a movie studio for the blind that adapts movies uh, so that blind people can understand what's going on on screen. They'll, like, explain each scene uh, verbally so blind people can watch movies as well. And that's been extremely successful. Anyway, he's in Washington, D.C. right now um, speaking and talking to a lot of lawmakers. And uh, his column every week is called Winner's Wisdom. And I think it's uh, seven of his books have been made into movies now. Um, So here it is. It's called Short Term and Long Term, and it has to do with delayed gratification. We are all constantly faced with decisions. In many cases, these decisions are divided into two areas, things that will make us happy now versus things that will make us happy later. If life were a three-day weekend, it would be easy to make the right choices, but we have to balance getting the most we can out of today while planting seeds that will make us happy tomorrow. And those are the more difficult ones. Recently read about an incident involving my late friend and mentor, the legendary basketball coach, John Wooden. During the 1960s and 70s, Coach Wooden's UCLA Bruins won 10 out of 12 NCAA National Basketball Championships. This feat was unprecedented then as it is now. When sports analysts and experts debate the records that will likely never be broken, Coach Wooden's run of national championships is always on the list. In the midst of UCLA's dominant streak, there was a great high school center who wanted to play for Coach Wooden. Swen Nader was a top prospect who would have started on virtually any college team in the country except for Coach Wooden's UCLA Bruins. Coach Wooden had just signed Bill Walton to play for him, replacing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who dominated college basketball for several years and who had just moved into the NBA. Coach Wooden told Swen Nader that if he really wanted to come to UCLA, he could, but he would likely never start one basketball game. However, he would play against Bill Walton every day in practice, which would make him an attractive pro prospect. As usual, Coach Wooden was right. Swen never started in a basketball game during his college career. He sat on the bench and filled in for Bill Walton on several national championship teams, but after he graduated, he was a high selection in the NBA draft and went on to play 12 successful years in professional basketball, including a season when he led the NBA in rebounds. So that is delayed gratification in its finest. Swen Nader never gave um, up the fame and adulation he could have gotten uh, by starting by being the starting center at any other college in America's uh, to fill a backup role on Coach Wooden's national championship teams. 
but as the wise old coach had predicted, it did pay off for him to give up that college fame. And then it, he was so good then that he was, you know, obviously sought after because of who he played with on a day-to-day basis. Not only because Swen improved his skills while at UCLA, but also because he demonstrated to NBA teams, which are often made up of egotistical, immature athletes, that he was an unselfish team player who was willing to sacrifice in order to win. Wow, as you go through your day today, remember, uh, swim and make good choices. Today's the day, says Jim Stovall, who again was told he was going blind, was at a point with his wife where they checked out at the grocery store and she had to put a loaf of bread back because they couldn't afford uh, to have that loaf of bread. They had to put some of their food back in order to check out at the grocery store. And he said he uh, was bound and determined his wife would never do that again. And if you look up Jim Stovall, it'll blow your mind what he has accomplished in his life. He's a mentor of mine because he's so inspirational. He is. All right, delayed gratification. Uh, what you, The price you pay today uh, could really pay off tomorrow, so make good choices today. If you want to reach out to me or any of the good news gals or producer Dave, AngieAustinRadio.com. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. All right, Angie Austin here along with Adam. Adam is an ambassador with ARC, and when you shop at ARC, it helps the ambassadors. They help people in our community. Every dollar you spend helps, and everything you donate helps. ARC is a tremendous benefit to people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Now, there's a Saturday sale. Most items half off. If I'm a senior, 55 and over, on Tuesdays, most items are half off. How do we find out about that? ARCthrift.org. How about if I want to donate? Where do I donate? 303-238-JANE. You call them and they'll pick up whatever you need. Furniture, small, big. Medium. Uh, yep, absolutely. A, a small, big, medium. Yes, they'll ma'am. bring the truck right on over. What's yes, the ma'am. number? 303-238-JANE. Yeah, they bring a truck right to your house. 303-238-JANE. Yes, 303-238-JANE. ARCthrift.org. Does oh. ARC make you feel special? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I thought so. You are special. ARCthrift.org. As are you, ma'am. As are you. Thank you. Do you love working for ARC? I love ARC. Hi, it's Angie. Thanks so much for listening to the good news. If you like the good news program and you'd like to support us, we need to partner up with businesses to keep this show going. I'd really like to keep it on the air and I need advertisers in order to do that. And I'd love to partner with you and help you build your business or your website. Maybe you're a nonprofit and you'd like to do an interview and you'd like to donate to us so that we can help you get donations as well. AngieAustinRadio.com. AngieAustinRadio.com. Just click on contact me. I would would love to partner up with you. I think this is a great program. We've been on the air for about seven years now, and I think a lot of people have gotten a ray of sunshine and some faith and even a little fun from this program. So if you'd like to support us, please go to AngieAustinRadio.com. We would like to help you build your business or nonprofit as well. AngieAustinRadio.com and click on contact. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you build your business. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. 
Hello, friend. It is Angie Austin here with the Good News Gals, Jennifer and Michelle, Cindy and Donna, and of course, producer Dave. And we have a good news story to share with you, which I think is really neat about redemption and forgiveness and uh, overcoming. And uh, it's about a, an innocent man and a crooked cop. But uh, Jamil uh, McGee, he had a tough start in life. And then an officer stepped in and changed everything. It tied their lives together, and initially not in a good way. And uh, I, I'm teaching the kids about forgiveness because there's so many friends that in the neighborhood that come over, and then they'll have disagreements. And I'm not one of these parents that's like, okay, well, then he had a disagreement, then stay away from Bobby. No, like figure out how to work it out with Bobby, how to forgive Bobby, how to you know figure things out. And I see so many parents helicopter in and deny their kid did anything wrong and then say, you know, stay away from that kid. Well, I think when you have normal childhood disagreements, you have to keep teach your kid about, you know, how to um, forgive and get along and work things out because um, that's what you're going to have to do when you work next to someone that maybe you don't get along with. And you're still going to have to do all those projects. And Or if you're married to somebody, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to learn how to fight well and work it out and forgive each other. And so, yes, you're teaching basic tools that's going to go through many relationships in their lifetime, which is great. I like to teach them about problem solving and troubleshooting and yes. you know, all that stuff. You're such a good example. I'm trying. Can you move wow. in with me? Because yeah. right yeah. now my kids are just calling each other jerks. All the time. <laughs> oh, I think too. they go through all, they all go through yeah. that. It's oh, their tone. Gosh. It's the tone. Oh, I tell the yeah. kids it's not so much your words that are a problem. It's your tone. Yeah, exactly. It's a problem. And the meaning it behind whatever. it. Whatever. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That was good, Dave. Yeah. That was Dave, really good. Yeah. I, can, I, I can see your eyes rolling as yeah. you say whatever. <laughs> I saw a news story about the innocent man and the crooked cop, and I want to leave enough time for this. We might stop in the middle and discuss it and then join back in. Uh, but I think that you'll be a very impressed by the transformation, the transformative journey that both men took. And they wrote a book. Their book is called Convicted. So I saw their news story. Then they wrote a book. And then here is their I Am Second movie about this uh, innocent man and the crooked cop. I was born and raised in Bell Harbor, Michigan. I'm the youngest of six. Dad and mom had a big falling out. Mom used to kick the crap out of us. I've learned today now that mom was just doing what she was taught. And for me, <laughs> I didn't want to ever bring that type of lifestyle to my kid. Violence became a part of my nature. I grew up in a pretty violent home. One night uh, it got out of hand and uh, police officers were called and I remember that the guy brought peace to my home. It wasn't because he was mean to my dad, he wasn't aggressive, just his presence brought peace to my house. And I remember thinking from that point on, like, that's what I'm gonna do for the rest of my life. If 
February of uh, 2006, I had been working as a, a narcotics cop for about four months, and uh, I caught a guy with some crack, and he said he wanted to go home, he didn't want to go to jail, so he made a phone call and uh, set up a drug deal for an ounce of crack cocaine. I get to the scene and I see the vehicle just like I was told, and there was one guy in the car, um, but he wasn't my guy. And then this other guy comes out of the store and he comes walking towards the vehicle. I'm in here shopping, I come out of the store, and this guy was approaching me talking about he's a cop. And where's the dope? I'm like, what, what dope? I tried to walk around him and he kept like getting in my way, blocking my view, and then he pulled out the badge. And I'm like, oh, so this is for real. I wasn't sure if that was the guy or not either, but from that point on, I kind of operated from that's the guy and I've got to prove that he's guilty. Sitting in jail, the first week, um, I was just lost. I'm like, man, they gotta figure this out. They know I don't have nothing to do with this. Like, why am I here? By the end of that day, I wrote the report that as I pulled up, this guy in the driver's seat uh, leaned towards the center council where I found an ounce of crack cocaine. And that guy, uh, I lodged under the name who I thought he was. The police report came in and it was not me. And then two days later, I get information that it wasn't that guy. His fingerprints came back and it was actually Jamel McGee, which was my target's cousin. And I was like, wait a minute, okay, this is cool. So now they can see this and then I should be able to go home. So I could have at that point just said, you know what, mistaken identity, got the wrong guy. But I still felt like this guy was guilty, you know, I have to prove it. So I just wrote a supplemental report and with the stroke of uh, some keys on a computer, you know, I kind of cinched the deal for Jamel being convicted. At that point, I realized, like, this ain't going away. A couple days later, when I get the information that I had lodged Jamel under the wrong name, uh, there was a little bit of fear uh, that I was going to get found out because I did lie about him being in the vehicle. So it was just a simple one paragraph um, write-up saying uh, I mistakenly said it was the wrong person. And when I heard the judge say, I'm sentencing you to 10 years in federal prison, I was like, oh, wow. So when the judge convicted him, you know, it was basically like just affirmation that it was a job well done. And they carted me off. There was a lack of humanity when I viewed Jamel. He was a stepping stone for me in my career. My uh, career kind of spiraled out of control. There was things, uh, even the day that I arrested Jamel, that I told myself I would never do. And yet, by the end of my career in 2008, every boundary I had set up for myself, uh, I walked through and broke down. I was stealing money from the city of Benton Harbor and from drug dealers. I was planting drugs to make sure that I could get search warrants. Two years after I met Jamel, I got caught with crack heroin and marijuana in my office. I got caught on a Tuesday, thought about killing myself on Wednesday. I couldn't see coming back from this. I walked into his office and I told him everything. The more I confessed, the more I got me back, that little boy who wanted to be a good officer. 
And uh, I started to not just feel bad for myself for being caught, but I started to feel bad for what I had done to people. What do I do from here? And he said, Andrew, where are you at with Jesus? And I remember kind of being blindsided. And I just hung my head and I started crying. I said, I don't deserve him. I don't deserve you. You've heard everything I did. I don't deserve Jesus' love. And he said, Andrew, none of us do. That's the beauty of grace. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. Neither do I. As time went on, it became apparent to me that I was going to have to answer uh, for my wrongdoings. Uh, so I went to the FBI and I said, I want to I right my wrongs. I want to tell you guys everything I did. We'll take a little break there. So um, basically, he's looking for forgiveness and to right his wrongs. Officer Andrew Collins and Jamel McGee, he's sitting in prison for something he didn't do. It's kind of a story of someone who <sighs> didn't even have a conscience at all to begin with and destroyed a lot of people's lives along the way. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, he's waking up now because of the love of Jesus, and he's getting a conscience. But what a story. What's interesting and, and to me, though, is, is just in the crossfire. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it, he didn't start out that way. Like he made this oath to himself and he's going to do good in the world. And then it was one little thing after one little thing. The and temptation of the money. Yes. And, the and then the pride of being wrong. You know, that's one of my pet peeves is nobody in today's society. I shouldn't say nobody, but in general, you know, don't say, you know what? It's my fault. I'm sorry. I totally messed that up. Everybody's pointing fingers, right, all the time. Like, well, if she wouldn't have done this, then I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, so that pride starts to build. And you just don't fall into being a crooked cop after, you know, being a good cop. So it's these little tiny tweaks in your life and choices that you make. And then all of a sudden he found himself like, oh, my God, this guy's in jail. And, and the little tiny tweaks of, like, every day deciding to do something slightly wrong. Yes, that just a little just, decision. You know, snowballs. Right, right. So I find that very interesting. You know, like I've said before, you don't just end up an alcoholic, right? It starts with a drink and, a more, and more and more. Or, you know, with um, having an affair, it starts with, you know, maybe talking and or on the internet. And it's these little Slippery things. Slippery slope. Yeah. yeah. And, and Satan you, doesn't just say, hey, let's go, you know, have an affair. Or let's go be here. an alcoholic you over here. You take a little money from a drug dealer yes. and then you end up stealing from the department, then you steal some drugs, then you make a mistake on an arrest, so you, may, you think, well, I'll just fudge a little lie here, and then all of a sudden this guy's in prison for 10 years, right. and then all, you know, and it, each little thing then starts turning bigger and bigger and bigger, because gradually it becomes more acceptable to do these things, because, well, yesterday I took this much, so the next day, well, I guess I could probably get away with taking this much, Absolutely. and then all of a sudden he's in all this trouble. He accepts Christ, an officer, uh, Andrew Collins, then goes to the FBI and decides he's going to set things right. You are not going to believe. And you've got Jamel McGee still in prison, 10 years on the lie, and Officer Collins now confessing to his wrongdoings, and you're not going to believe how this ends. I made a goal for myself in prison to harm the officer whenever I got out. I was deeply hurt um, by everything that had happened. My turning point from that was I realized that I had a son and I wanted a different life for him. It was a Bible on my desk. This day I just said, you know what? I'm gonna read the Bible. 
my mind just went blank and God stepped in and was telling me, hey, let it go. This ain't even your fight. You know, I'm giving him everything, all this hurt, all this bitterness, I'm giving it away to him. Counselor said to me, hey, where would you go if you was released today, tomorrow, or six months from now? I'm like, hey, probably to my grandma's house. He was like, well, I need the address. And he was like, when I gave him the address, he said, you got 15 minutes to leave. The fax machine beeped and he handed me the paper. And that was a letter from the judge um, saying that my conviction was overturned and I had to leave the premises immediately. So I grabbed the paper and um, I stepped outside the door and I just simply said, thank you, Jesus. I gave away my hurt, my pain, my frustration, and God gave me um, an exit. Out of all the guys who I chased around as a police officer, Jamel was not one of them. He was never on my target before. I didn't think of him much after. I don't think I ever thought about Jamel in prison. It wasn't until we ran into each other after I got out. Two years after I get out, I get to meet my son for the very first time. He wanted to go to the park this day. My idea was just to let him run through the park and I would just stay on the sidewalk and then I saw you. I remember I'm there and uh, you came over and you, you stuck out your hand and I remember thinking like, okay, good, you know, this is gonna be a good interaction. And when I shook your hand, you said, you remember my name? I looked down at my son and said, explain to, to him why I was missing out on these years of his life. Yeah. I think that was worse than being punched, right? And uh, I think at that point, it's just when I started apologizing to you. And then like, I get done saying I'm sorry and you just kept grabbing me. <laughs> you just kept holding on. Like, what was going on in your brain? When, like, why wouldn't you let me go? I was waiting on God to give me a clear sign, an answer or something of what I should be doing. Uh, I think it's amazing to be able to talk to you now and find out you were battling with God. I had no clue that you had that run-in with Jesus in prison. You had no clue I had that run-in with Jesus through this whole thing. God had let me know um, in that moment, like, this ain't even your fight. Get out of my way. I ended up releasing you and um, walking away. Three weeks in that class, you get to uh, meet your mentor. And Miss P comes to me and says, hey, we finally got your mentor. We understand that he's done some things at the city of Ben Harbor. And I was like, wait a minute, Miss P, who is it already? And she was like, Andrew Collins. Oh, no way. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Let me pray on that. I know God, I think God is telling me he wants this to happen. Princella had talked to me that day about being your mentor. She comes down, she's like, hey, there's this guy in the class. I think God has just laid it on my heart. You need to be wow. his mentor. And, and I said, okay, who is it? She said, his name's Zuki. Do you know him? <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I don't think I know him personally. You know, I forgot that's what people call you. An hour and a half later, you come walking in, and all of a sudden I'm brought back <laughs> to that angry dude gripping my hand. And I was like, oh, shoot. But I also felt like God had, like, open this door for a second chance for me to apologize to you. I felt like I failed that day, right? So I said, man, I'm so sorry for everything I did to you. And I remember you just like leaning away from me, like you were offended that I was even talking about it. And you just kept reassuring me that it was over. You just kept saying, it's over, bro, it's over. And I remember you telling me I believed you 
the day in the park that you were sorry. And I believe you now. And I asked you if we could pray together. And you were like, yeah. And you just bowed your head right there. And I was like, all right, cool. We're doing this. Andrew, I forgive you. And the reason why is if God didn't forgive us for our actions or we were charged for every single thing that we've done in our life, where would that leave us? It's these things that we're holding on to trying to fix it or trying to make it right. And all we got to do is just let it go. But I think it's so many times where I'm holding a grudge against a family member, you know, my wife or, you know, a close friend. And, you know, God reminds me of the forgiveness you've offered me. So I just hope you know how transformative your forgiveness is, um, not just in my life, but the way I've seen you impact so many people. It's been incredible. I am Jamel McGee, a.k.a. Zuki, and I am second. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. It sure is. It is. Wow. And I love how he says forgiveness is transformative. It really does change a person when you encounter the forgiving grace of Christ. Um, It changes you as a person and the person that you're forgiving. It's it's amazing. So what you're teaching your kids is so powerful, Angie. It's big for me in my life because I just think that being able to move on from the past and not, you know, hang on to anger. It's just like walking around with a backpack full of rocks. And if you can, every time you forgive someone or something, whether it be yourself or someone else, it's like taking a rock out of the backpack. And who wants to walk around with a backpack full of rocks through your life? I think that it... Um, you're hunched over and you see life through glasses that just aren't, you know, rose colored. They're gray and dark and everything's tarnished by unforgiveness. And I think it ruins your future. And I think it would have also adversely affected my kids when I look at the life that they have compared to the life that I had. Had I not forgiven people from my past, I would not be able to give my kids the right kind of um, upbringing. They wouldn't have um, had the life that they have now if I was still hanging on to the past. And this uh, faith-based employment agency, Mosaic, that these guys are working for, that's how they came together, that this agency has got them. They're working together in a cafe now. I mean, if all the interesting God twists in this story, they just kept being brought back together. It's unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. And we'll, look, if they hated each other and then every day they came to work and they had this unforgiveness and they couldn't stand each other, like, what a waste of energy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Right. And, you know, God spoke very clearly to him and said, you know, this isn't even your fight. Get out of my way. You know, I think I would have put up a fight and I've got this, God, right? Yeah. I've got yeah. this. Yeah. I'm you really upset. Know. You don't yeah. know what I've been through. Exactly. I have a, I deserve to be angry. Yes. Which who, he certainly did. Yep. Hmm. But he was obedient. And he's like, okay, I'll just get out of your way because God was orchestrating something so much bigger through this. And, uh, and for his glory. So I, I love this story. It's great. Yeah, what a beautiful story. Love mm. it. And that's on I Am Second about the uh, innocent man and the crooked cop. And I Am Second has really wonderful testimonies. Hey, I uh, hope you join us on, uh, is it Monday or Friday that we're going to have uh, Ian on the show? That'll be Friday. Okay, so on tomorrow. Friday, tomorrow. Ian Humphreys is going to be on. He's a friend of Michelle's and what he's overcome. We've shared his testimony on the show. But we thought, well, he lives right here in our neck of the woods. Let's bring him in and hear from him personally. So we'll have Ian on tomorrow and he's going to knock your socks off. And then we'll be right back with more here on The Good News. 
There is so much fun stuff to do at YMCA of the Rockies this summer. You're never going to want to leave. Come fill your days and nights with our exciting programs and entertaining activities. This year at the YMCA Estes Park Center, there is something for everybody at our brand new Boone Family Mountain Center. The Mountain Center has a two-story climbing wall, a bouldering area, a totally revamped gear shop, and serves as the stepping off point for all of the guided hikes, bike trails, fly fishing tours, and our exciting zip line. YMCA Estes Park is surrounded on three sides by Rocky Mountain National Park, and it's the ideal family vacation located in a stunning environment that helps build healthy minds, bodies, and spirits for all. At YMCA of the Rockies, we love to provide real bonding experiences for families of all sizes. Go to ymcarockies.org. Fill your summer with fun, exciting, and affordable family adventures at YMCA of the Rockies. Go to ymcarockies.org to book your stay today. I'm so excited about this interview, and I'm sorry Angie's not here to join me, but uh, that gives me more time to geek out on this. Uh, We are being joined by a very special lady, Michelle Bookoff-Bydeck, who is the Global Head of Business Solutions Marketing of the Watson Content at, um, at Platform Group, and this includes the Weather Company. Now, Michelle, when I first heard this story and it said, oh, you got to talk to this lady about the weather company. I'm like, why do I need to talk about the weather company? And then they tell me, well, this involves Formula One racing, Aston Martin. And I'm like, "Okay, I'm in. I'm in. So (laughs) please tell me, please tell me they let you drive an Aston Martin to do your research on this uh, this client. Don't I wish, don't I wish. Um, that would that would certainly be a dream, but uh, unfortunately not. I just get to provide them with the most accurate weather information they need to gain a competitive advantage in, uh, in the circuits that they're on. Well, I know the Formula One racing requires like a, a fractions of a second in many of these victories. So tell me about the weather company and this collaboration uh, between IBM and and all of these groups. How, tell me how this came together. Sure. So just a little bit about the weather company, which is, as you said, part of IBM. We're the world's largest weather enterprise, and we help millions of people. And you may not know it, but um, we're delivering weather content to you on the Weather Channel app on weather.com. It's often the first thing you look at in the morning or the last thing you check before going to bed. So Everyone is consuming weather out there. It's a daily habit. But what people don't realize is that weather can offer a tremendous competitive advantage as well as help businesses in in myriad industries. Think about the airlines as a perfect example. better perform, right? And so Formula One, particularly for those of you who are fans, you know how data-driven a sport that is. And these are sprints. These are not marathons. So um, it is absolutely critical that these racing teams gain a competitive advantage, which can be measured, as you said, in hundreds of a second, right? This is all about winning. And so treat the, the teams are really striving to get incremental improvements in every aspect of both car development as well as race strategy. And so Aston Martin Red Bull Racing came to us and said, you know, we, we have this wonderful innovation partnership with them as part of IBM already. And they said, what else can you help us with? And whether just was an absolutely natural fit, particularly when you're talking about aerodynamics, right? And again, squeezing out every opportunity for incremental improvement. We often think about weather as 
temperature and precipitation, but it's not just about that. We're also talking about humidity, air density, wind speed and direction, and all of those things can help these teams create greater downforce, which, as you know, pushes the car's tires onto the track, making that car faster. And so having that most accurate and precise weather, wherever you are in the globe, you're talking about 21 races in 21 countries, is absolutely critical. And we're thrilled to be working with Aston Martin Red Bull Racing. Well, how cool is this that I am a client of your service and Red Bull, Aston Martin, this great racing team is a client. I didn't realize I was so close to Formula One racing greatness just by using your <laughs> your, your technology. Uh, okay, you got to tell I've only got a couple of minutes left here. You have to tell me, uh, what's the Internet of Things and why is IBM so deep in it? Yeah, so the Internet of Things is really about getting data off of devices. And a lot of people don't even realize that, that in their pockets, these mobile phones that they're holding, they actually have a personal weather station. We've got barometers um, on these things. We've got, um, you know, so barometric pressure we're getting from uh, millions of uh, smartphone readings daily. Um, we're also getting data from commercial air flights, right? Mm-hmm. So turbulence readings, um, hundreds of millions of personal weather station reports daily, 9 million webcams, crowd reports, all of this data. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.